Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. have changed. Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday, May 29th, 2009. This week, episode 126 comes to you from Studio B in beautiful Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. My name is Joe Hughes or Radio Joe and here with me in the studio back together again is the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. Hey, always a pleasure, Chuck. Good day, Cliff. Environmental Annie's here with us. We're going to get her a microphone. And the wingman, of course, is at the controls, Chris Boisel. All right, of course, joining us, good day, Chris, joining us at halftime, and for the roundup will be our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow. Today's segments include the microband trivia question. We're going to have Will Spates and Tim Toburin of Indoor Environmental Technologies talking about the very uh, popular issue today on Chinese drywall, unfortunate issue for some people, but we'll talk about that in detail today. At halftime, we're going to have IE Connections, What's News with Glenn Fellman, and then we'll return to our interview with Will and Tim, and we'll have the roundup at the end. We've been uh, putting a blog on that IAQ Radio website after week after show every week at iaqradio.com. Before we get started, we got to thank our sponsors. Let's start with Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. Pro Restore for cleaning, odor removal, and antimicrobial products remediators trust and depend on at prorestoreproducts.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. Dries Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dries is first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at jondon.com. And our newest advertiser is Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, the leader in portable mobile PC-based indoor environmental monitors and reporting software at graywolfsensing.com. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to Cliff for today's microband trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Okay, congratulations to John Lapotere of MicroShield Environmental Services in Winter Park, Florida for answering his third microband trivia question in a row last week. Win a cool prize by out-competing IQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the microband trivia question. Submitting your answer is very easy. Simply email it to Cliff 
Zlotnick at unsmoked.com. Now for the microband trivia question for Friday, May 29th. 2009. Listen closely. It's a two-part trivia question. You must provide both correct answers to win. The first part of the question looks for what was the original name for drywall when it was invented in 1916? The second part of the question is what does the term drywall refer to? Okay, Joe. Uh, All right. Thank you, Cliff. I also want to make sure I mention we do have those IICRC continuing education credits available and IAQ console renewal credits available by emailing me and requesting a quiz at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. Both of our emails are on the iaqradio.com website. We're also working on those ABIH certification maintenance points for those of you that are CIHs out there. So we'll let you know as soon as we're approved for those. All right, let's get started by introducing Will. Uh, we're going to start with Will Spates. Will is a certified indoor air quality professional with over 30 years of experience in the operation, maintenance, testing, and design of environmental systems. He is the president of Indoor Environmental Technologies, is qualified for investigation of building-related environmental issues, and has conducted hundreds of commercial and residential inspections and consulted with clients on construction and remodeling strategies to create healthy homes and offices. Will has taught in numerous different uh, capacities at the Bob Biology and Ecology Institute in Clearwater, Florida. He's done numerous courses for public health officials, IICRC courses, and Indoor Air Quality Association courses. He also, his firm, and uh, he also offer environmental and consulting and testing services for indoor environments and seminars, seminars on building-related environmental health issues through his business. Our second guest is Timothy D. Tobiran, certified restorer, certified mold remediator, and anti-AMRT. <laughs> he has more than 30 years experience in restoration services with expertise in water and fire damage restoration and mold contamination issues. Mr. Tobiran has also been involved in instruction of training classes, development of certification programs, exams and manuals, and development of training manuals for the remediation field. He also has written extensively and edited uh, in industry periodicals. He's highly qualified to estimate, supervise restoration and mitigation projects, and teach others to do the same. How about some music, Chris? China. Good day, Will and Tim. Let's make sure first we have both of you on the line. We got you unmuted. Hello, Will. I'm right here. All right. Good day. Welcome to IAQ Radio. And Tim. I'm here. Excellent, gentlemen. Good day. How, good to have you both on here. Let's get rolling here. Let's start. Uh, maybe, Will, you want to start this out? What, what's going on with this uh, Chinese drywall? What exactly is the situation as we speak today here? Well, as we speak, it's a little different from yesterday, Joe. It, it's changing constantly. 
Uh, I'm just looking at our blog right now, and the EPA is now providing some drywall sampling analysis. However, there's a significant caveat in there. Uh, the purpose of this test was simply to identify elemental materials, not to establish a link between the drywall and the conditions observed. So we're basically in the infant stage of discovering what the heck's going on here. Um, we know that there's materials that have uh, ended up in this country that have come from China, you know, drywall in particular with this specific issue, that have had some environmental questions associated with them, and we're trying to figure it out. It's like reverse engineering. You know, I, I was looking at your blog. By the way, we'll get the uh, – can you tell us the link for that blog right now, and then we'll post it at the end of the show? Sure. The, the blog link is ChineseDrywallInfo.com. And I would encourage the listeners to, if you want to jump on there now while you're listening, it's, a, it's an excellent blog. In fact, I picked up some information today. Tim, first of all, let's talk about what materials are affected and then where those materials were installed. I mean, I was a little surprised to find that it's not as confined to Florida and maybe Louisiana as I first thought. Well, the Florida and Louisiana issues is are what has gotten the, the most uh, public awareness or most media play. Uh, the issue first came to light, or at least public awareness, in South Florida, uh, where there have been many homes uh, reported to be affected. Uh, followed up with Louisiana, but it is reported in the news media that at least 40 states uh, have had claims of Chinese drywall uh, being affected. And as far as the materials that are affected, uh, those are not fully known at this point. Uh, it was first noticed by repeated failure of the evaporator coils in the air conditioning systems. And uh, many air conditioning contractors were blamed for this, and the claim was that the uh, air conditioning coils were failing because they were defective. In some cases, we're aware of they had as many as uh, three or four uh, failures in uh, a one- or two-year period, and uh, which is uh, very unusual and very uh, uncommon. And there was, for several years, no real explanation or suggestion as to what might be causing this. There have also been claims of damage to other types of materials, uh, notably silver jewelry, uh, mirrors, uh, nickel and chrome uh, fixtures for plumbing, for instance. It has also been claimed that there have been uh, electronics failures involving hard drives, uh, and there are some other failures. Uh, it is notable that some of the damage, uh, especially to nickel and chrome fixtures, appears to be similar to that uh, restorers would often see after a fire as a result of smoke residue that is not cleaned off sensitive materials quickly enough. And that, again, is an example of acidic pitting of uh, sensitive surface materials. Cliff? I'd like to add something. Oh, go ahead, Will, please. Go for that it. We just, that we just discovered yesterday doing a, a home that was built in 1999 with absolutely no remodeling. It had an air conditioning system in there until 2006. Uh, when that air conditioning system was changed out in 2006, with no problems or failures whatsoever, um, the uh, the coil started to fail, and black copper started to be observed in this home, and but only on the air conditioning systems, and maybe very 
minimal at the very bottom end of the electrical panel with, as you went farther up into the electrical panel, the copper was remaining bright. So this is just an anecdotal, you know, another piece of information that shows that we've had black, black copper in buildings for a long time without any uh, real significant uh, uh, liabilities associated with it. Um, we've had air conditioning coil failures without uh, in homes that have not had Chinese drywall in them. And, and now we just have, it, it's just a very confusing situation that we're dealing with right now. Annie? When did, the, the, did this all start? Is there a sort of timeline for when it started and for when major progressions occurred? Well, uh, it is believed that Chinese drywall was imported from about uh, 2000, uh, about the year 2000 up through about 2007. But it is believed the significant majority was imported uh, after the hurricanes of 2004, so primarily during 2005 and 2006. Uh, the issue was first reported to the Florida Department of Health in June of 2008, and then, of course, in December of 2008 is when it first hit uh, media awareness and began to get um, uh, media coverage. Uh, we have seen some rumors or indications that uh, some builders and others may have been aware of problems of this type for some time prior to 2008, for one or two years before then, uh, but that has not yet really been confirmed. Uh, one of the things that is interesting about this subject is there is all kinds of rumors floating around and they get repeated by the media, and oftentimes the rumors are reported as fact. And so it becomes very difficult to uh, isolate the facts from an opinion or something someone has said, which may or may not be true. Will, uh, can you comment on, you know, when, when people have a substance in their house which is turning their copper black and, and something that they can smell, this rotten egg smell, um, are people being frightened into suffering health effects, and what health effects have been claimed? You know, what have you found to be the case? Um, the primary health effects that, you know, I have uh, uh, found our clients to, you know, speak of are primarily respiratory headaches. Uh, some clients with, uh, you know, chemical sensitivities have, have had to move out of their homes and have stayed out of their homes for, you know, and are still out of their homes because of that. Um, primarily, it, it's the odor complaint, but I think that there is a, uh, there's not enough information out there to show a causative link. Um, you know, I believe that we need to be doing some, you know, you know, testing of these individuals, even if we don't know what we're looking to test for right now, Samples need to be taken and archived so that we can see what the progression of the, you know, possible, uh, you know, health effects, um, you know, might be. And, you know, we don't know what we're looking for right now, and I haven't seen any valid test or, or any information out there that shows that, uh, you know, you can take a urine test or a blood test and, and find out whether you've been exposed to Chinese drywall because we don't know what we're looking for yet. Um, there's a lot of emotional components to these people's reactions, 
and in public health, we were aware that there is a psychosocial uh, component to environmental illness that has to be considered. But we also have to be very sensitive to the reality that, you know, something that can corrode copper, you know, might probably have, uh, you know, adverse health effects on, you know, organic life forms as well. Well, I, I think also that there's, there's got to be a big stress component too. You know, you have people that, um, you know, this is the biggest investment that they've ever made. They may have just built a house. They may have a 30-year mortgage, and all of a sudden, you know, they find out that uh, there's a flaw in the construction materials, and uh, stress is has got to be huge in this as well. Oh, tremendously huge, Cliff. This is for... Uh, somebody that has, you know, this is their, their largest life investment, and who's going to be paying for the repairs right now? The fingers are going everywhere. Sure. And, you know, there's all this pointing. Uh, it's not my fault. You know, we, we just installed the drywall. It's not my fault. We just imported it. Um, it's not my fault. I just built the house. Uh, and with insurance, uh, pollution exclusions, um, it, it's, it's a real complicated web that we're dealing with here. Let me, uh, real quick, I've got a text message from a listener, and I want to see if you guys can help him out. He's looking for some uh, drywall samples or, or photos, I guess, thereof, and he's also looking to try and acquire a bulk, like a half-sheet sample of, uh, I guess it's pronounced Knopf, Knopf uh, Chinese drywall. I can't even pronounce the second word, Tianjin. No. Tianjin. Tianjin. Yeah. Um, and he photos of the product labeling, I guess. Is, are you aware of where this information might be available? It's actually on our blog, and uh, we're just loading up a, uh, a PowerPoint presentation on the blog that's going to be accessible just like a video would be on, on YouTube that uh, people can look at these pictures, uh, look at the conditions of copper coils on air conditioning systems, the conditions of copper wiring. Um, the, the drywall has various forms of identification. We've actually seen drywall stamped with China on one side, then an ASTM method farther on down the line. Hmm. You know, and I've never known Chinese products to have ASTM methods associated with them. Um, they're, they're, again, there's a lot of confusion out there, and we're not quite sure uh, what we're dealing with. But the identification is visible on some pieces of drywall. As far as the uh, photos go, there is also a link on our website to the Florida State Department of Health website, and there are a lot of photos of different materials affected by the Chinese drywall syndrome on that website. So if you go to our blog, you can get to directly to that information. So they have photos of not just the drywall, but also other components? Other materials, of mirrors, jewelry, appliances, um, a, a wide variety of different types of materials. Again, a lot of these things, the claim is made and seems to be logical that this is what is causing the problem, but it is not yet really definitively proven from a scientific standpoint to be the case. How, long, how far are we from that point, do you think, Tim? I mean, obviously you can't say for certain, but I'm sure you have some kind of uh, idea on your, in your mind as to how long it'll take. I mean, obviously they're working on this. How long do you think it'll take to figure it out? Well, one of the limiting factors has been obviously the budget for the work to be done. Uh, the state of Florida has, until now, been taking the lead on this issue, but they have had very limited funding. 
the state of Florida, like many other states, is in a real budget crunch due to the economic uh, downturn and uh, not really had a lot of money available to spend on this issue. Uh, I did uh, see some information just uh, this morning in doing my regular research on the Chinese drywall issue that the uh, EPA has been instructed by uh, Congress to spend a significant sum of money on determining what is going on with this issue. Apparently, in the, just the last week or so, uh, it was reported in several places that this appears to have hit critical mass in Congress and uh, become a real issue that uh, they are concerned to have addressed. I bet some plaintiffs' attorneys are spending some money on uh, some testing, and, and there should there should be some good information coming out from that. But apparently, that'll take a few years, I guess. Uh, are you aware of anything like that going on? Um, I am. I haven't seen a test out there for material testing, uh, aside from you know just the physical identification that this is, you know, that says Canals or China or. Uh, some other identifying characteristic on there. But I think, you know, the plaintiff's attorneys, I mean, if we're talking about health effects here, they need to start, you know, working with the, the people that are living in these homes as well and, and seeing what they can uh, come up with some type of strategy to at least secure some samples for these people while they're living in these homes uh, to see what's happening on down the line. You know, if, again, we don't know what to look for yet, but uh, if they're not dealing with a, a toxicologist or uh, you know some medical professional, and they're just looking at the materials. I think they're missing the human equation in this. Okay, Annie. Yeah, what sort of gases are reported to be emitted, and in what concentrations in these homes? Well, I've uh, I've seen different levels uh, as proposed. Uh, among others, uh, carbon disulfide, hydrogen sulfide carbonyl sulfide, sulfur dioxide, and mercaptans have all been detected at various levels. The question then becomes one of dose. How much is present? How much is too much? And uh, I went and looked up the OSHA PELs for these various chemicals, uh, and for an eight-hour time-weighted average, those range from five parts per million to uh, 20 parts per million. The issue is that in many cases, we are finding that the detected levels, even inside wall cavities, where it would be assumed that they would be significantly higher than in the room air, where they would be more diluted, uh, is often in the low hundreds of uh, parts per billion. So we're talking potentially, say, 200 parts per billion being detected, and 10,000 or a uh, 10,000 parts per billion being uh, the time-weighted average for OSHA. Now, you cannot directly correlate OSHA PELs to exposure limits for people in their homes that might cause health problems. But still, we're talking a huge differential between the amounts being detected and the amounts that have been traditionally considered as likely to cause serious health effects. And I, I guess we should remind listeners and Dr. Weil will that, you know, the, the PELs are established for eight hours, uh, normally healthy people working over an eight-hour day. Um, Cliff? I got a question, uh, I guess, 
I, I guess I'm going to push it to Will, if you know. How long did it take for odor to develop or structural deterioration of materials to occur? I mean, if someone was building a home and they're installing smelly stuff in the home, uh, you know, was this prevalent from the beginning and, and did it get worse or did it stay the same or did it get better? Or? Well, um, typically doing new construction, uh, especially when they're installing the drywall, the house is in a non-conditioned state, the windows are open and there's a lot of ventilation. Uh, the talking to one of our clients that uh, was a developer in uh, West Central Florida, uh, the the odor uh, really didn't become an issue uh, until that new house smell didn't dissipate after a few months. And um, I had the, uh, I guess, fortunate opportunity to inspect uh, a, a townhome complex where only, you know, a partial uh, uh, usage of Chinese drywall affected some of the units. And the difference between walking in to one unit that we knew that became one of our, uh, you know, focus-based studies was that, you know, here was a, uh, about a 1,600-square-foot townhome that had uh, only half the building was um, rocked in with, with Chinese drywall based on what we discovered as we were carrying it all out. And the other half was uh, domestic drywall, but the odors were tremendously noticeable a year and a half after their CO, whereas you go two doors down to another unit and built by the same, you know, contractors, same subcontractors, just using domestic drywall, there was no noticeable odor, no noticeable corrosion of copper, um, you know, no, and we did the same uh, pattern. We removed six square feet uh, in one uh, square foot increments from six locations in the building and inspected those wall cavities uh, as far as we could and only in the ones with uh, where we found the, the Chinese drywall markings and the copper corrosion did we find the, uh, um, the strong uh, strong odors. Can you describe that odor for us a little, Will? It's, it's like an acrid uh, odor. The um, it, it's not a true rotten egg smell. Um, it, it's a little more accurate than that and, and a little more subtle, but it's definitely noticeable. And in a closed home with no uh, outside air dilution ventilation that has not been occupied, it can be very noticeable as soon as you walk in the door. Okay, let's, uh, let's put this in context now. I've got a text question from uh, a listener. How many tons of this Chinese drywall are believed to have been used in the U.S. since Hurricane Katrina. And just for a reference, um, Cliff had that uh, one home contains about seven metric tons. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so what do, what do we got, guys? Anybody, either one of you? 60,000 homes estimated. Somebody got a calculator? 60. Or rather, enough, uh, I would say enough drywall has been report uh, has Enough drywall was imported that it is reported that 60 to 100,000 homes could have been treated with that or had that material incorporated. However, I'd like to stress something that Will mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, which is that we have found that many, many homes have a mixture of drywall sources. 
nobody had any reason to believe that uh, they should keep track of where particular batches of drywall went. And so, you know, uh, it was thought, hey, uh, a sheet of drywall is a sheet of drywall, and neither the uh, importers, the distributors, the contractors kept track of what went where. And those chains of custody are now becoming very, very valuable pieces of information in trying to figure out what's happening out there and and where the stuff might have ended up. Okay, guys, it's right around halftime. I'm going to break a little early because I think this is a good point to uh, take a little break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk a lot more about this Chinese drywall issue, how you inspect for it, and uh, also what what the potential or possible remedies are. Um, let's go to the halftime first, though, and then we'll bring you guys back in less than five minutes, let's say. Sounds good. <clears throat> I just love your horses! A newspaper man has to have a good story. Writing just news is so factually boring. I get assigned to Saturday to do. I am the skate. day leader of men glenn fellman how are you sir i'm great joe how are you today good good welcome to the show what's news this week well i've tailored this week's news around the subject of chinese drywall all right so we're going to talk about some things that are going on and uh, build on, on what you've just discussed in the last half hour uh, and there are developments happening every single day uh, first of all let's talk about the epa uh, the EPA has done some studies. They have found that the drywall contains uh, not only, not only uh, sulfur, but also high levels of strutonium and, uh, and some other compounds, uh, much higher levels than you'd find in American-made drywall. And so we are starting to see some science around it. Uh, based on that, two senators, Bill Nelson from Florida and Mary Landrieu of Louisiana, uh, have pushed the EPA to look into this after getting just ridiculous numbers of complaints from their constituents that the drywall is causing corrosion of the copper, uh, household appliance mal- malfunctions, and of course a lot of health issues. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's made its way through, uh, through Congress as well uh, in three different forms. Hmm. Uh, Bill Nelson from Florida introduced uh, U.S. Senate Bill 739 at the end of March, which uh, basically required the Consumer Product Safety Commission to study the drywall imported from China, and a companion bill, uh, U.S. House of Representatives Bill 1977, was introduced by Florida Representative Robert Wexler. Uh, those are both now with the uh, well in the House. It's with the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. In the Senate, it's with the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. Uh, the 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 uh, uh, Congress is. Con- uh, taking a little recess uh, since Memorial Day, but they'll be back in and, uh, and addressing these things, and I, I think you're going to see some action. But there's also a Senate resolution, uh, U.S. Senate Resolution 91, again introduced by Bill Nelson. This one calls for a, uh, a, a ban on the import of Chinese drywall and associated building materials, and it orders a recall of Chinese drywall, and uh, it would have the Consumer Product Safety uh, commission oversee these things. Now, that resolution is likewise in the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation, and we'll see what happens with it. Um, I, I don't know how you would possibly re- recall this, uh, 
this, this substance, uh, given what we've heard about how it's installed in so many homes, but uh, very interesting stuff. Now, despite the lack of science uh, that we talked about on the show and, um, and, and some information coming in, uh, there are places in this country that aren't waiting for the, <clears throat> waiting for the science. Excuse me. Norfolk, Virginia is the first uh, part of the country that, that I'm aware of, at least, has actually banned Chinese drywall. Uh, after a unanimous vote of 8-0 to zero at the May 19th Norfolk, Virginia City Council meeting, it is now illegal to use Chinese drywall when building or renovating in Norfolk, Virginia. Contractors are now required to certify that they will not use Chinese drywall in any future construction projects. Hmm. And if contractors refuse to certify that they won't use Chinese drywall, they'll be denied the permits that they need to proceed with construction. Uh, this ban was initiated by a councilman named uh, Randy Wright, who believes that there still is Chinese drywall in inventory in this country, and he said that builders might be tempted to use this on future projects. Uh, it's the first ban we've seen, the first legislative ban we've seen on the use of Chinese drywall, but I really doubt it's going to be the last. Yeah. Now, last, uh, last thing I wanted to talk about here was um, kind of an unusual twist in all this. Uh, Phony notices warning of the dangers of Chinese drywall started appearing on vacant homes in Cape Coral, Florida, a couple weeks ago. Uh, these notices declared that they were posted by the state's Department of Health, and they say that the homes have been inspected and contained Chinese drywalls. Hmm. Now, all these homes had one thing in common. They were in foreclosure, and they were getting ready to go up for auction. <laughs> So a uh, local realtor uh, named Ron Martin told reporters that uh, he thinks the phony notices were all uh, all put out by uh, people who are trying to buy these uh, homes and discourage competition. And so now there is a state investigation going on into that, um, which is a segue, I think, into, into what I want to do with throwing this back to you guys, uh, is maybe ask the guests to talk about scams, because I know that uh, from where I sit, I'm starting to get consumer calls, and consumers, uh, kind of like kind of like it was with mold back at the beginning of the uh, the so-called mold rush, they're hearing so much misinformation and conflicting information and and, and so forth, and they're they're worried about their health, and they're getting proposals from people to do very very expensive testing and very very uh, expensive remodeling, uh, and some of it may not be necessary. So I'd love to hear your guests address that. We'll do that. That's what I got for news this week. All right. Thank you, Glenn. We appreciate you joining us as always. We'll bring you back in for the roundup. Let's uh, get Dr. Dieter on the line here. Okay. Good day, Dieter. Yeah. Any, uh, uh, so can you hear me? Yes, sir. Any comments All or right. questions? Yeah. Kind of interesting. I uh, there got to be somewhere a common denominator if it is in, indeed a real problem, and it appears to be a real problem. We heard a little bit in partial answers of questions that I have. In this day and age, it ought to be incredibly simple to identify what is in the house and what is given off uh, from a building material, in this case, a drywall. I would assume, and I would, my, my common sense tells me that concentration in the wall cavity should be higher than outside due to the ventilation that is over there. So we know, we heard that most of those compounds are sulfur-containing compounds, and uh, apparently there is a smell 
uh, I don't have, uh, there is a question now of toxicology and the cause and effect. Uh, you have to have a cause which is um, uh, associated with an exposure to a certain chemical. If you, if you have flat, get flat feet, uh, it's not from carbon monoxide. You know, mm -hmm. carbon monoxide works a little bit differently. But is the common denominator that the stuff um, emits vapors when the humidity is high? That is, you know, one of the questions. Is, is that, or does it happen up here in Pittsburgh or in, in, in my area over here also rather than Florida? Uh, there was an interesting um, uh, remark made on the, the PELs or TLVs, the permissible exposure limits by uh, OSHA and or the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists. Those are these, and we, we, you meant George, uh, Joe mentioned it, uh, uh, are these exposure limits for healthy people eight hours a day and so on. Now, if you go into a house, I would, as an absolute minimum, divide those by 10, uh, perhaps by 50, to give me a guideline of what is happening over there. And the other thing is, I don't think, I don't know, I don't think whether China exported the stuff only to the United States. Are there other areas in the world where the same complaints are? And I would like to have all the people raise their right hand who have actually smelled rotten egg. I haven't smelled a rotten egg in about 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are great questions, Dieter. We will definitely bring those okay. up. And uh, we'll bring you back for the roundup. Sure. All right. Before we get back to uh, the second half here, we've got to thank our sponsors, Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the expert in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. Pro Restore for cleaning, odor removal, and antimicrobial products remediators trust and depend on at ProRestoreProducts.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. Dryease Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dryease's first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at johndon.com. Okay. And Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, the leader in portable mobile PC-based indoor environmental monitors and reporting software at graywolfsensing.com. All right, let's go back to our guests here. We've got a whole bunch of questions backed up, guys, but uh, let's, let's start with um, Cliff. Do you want to go to this one here on the components? Uh, sure. Uh, what components of the drywall are suspected as being involved? Yeah. Is, is it the paper? Is it uh, binders? Is it the minerals? What is it? Well, the, uh, the commonly accepted, likely to be involved situation is uh, specifically the gypsum core rather than the paper shell of the drywall. Uh, the gypsum itself is a uh, is a mineral it's calcium sulfate dehydrate uh, thus it contains a lot of water which is why it's so effective as a fire barrier uh, it does contain sulfur as part of the calcium sulfate however there, it is a very stable mineral it is a very innocuous mineral it's even used in a lot of food products uh, so it's 
The calcium sulfate itself is not something that would normally be considered a significant risk. There are other things that can be found in the uh, gypsum core of the uh, drywall, uh, various binders, waxes, uh, starches, other types of things. There is no general specific regulation of what goes into it. Uh, however, uh, given China's recent history with various products, uh, it's reasonable to assume that just about anything could wind up in there because they've had some serious problems with contamination uh, of, of various uh, industrial products that they have manufactured. I would like to point out uh, in, strontium was mentioned uh, by Glenn, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, strontium sulfide has been found in this uh, mineral. Iron pyrite, which is also an iron sulfide, has been found. Both of those minerals are known to degrade when in contact with humidity and release various sulfur gases. The source of these has been often thought to be uh, natural impurities in gypsum that's mined. However, it has also been proposed that synthetic gypsum, which is made by uh, as a byproduct of pollution control measures in coal-fired power plants, may also be a source. All of this is very speculative at this point in time, and no one has really come up with a, okay, how did this strontium sulfide or the iron sulfide or possibly other sulfide materials get into the gypsum that wound up in the drywall? Okay, let me follow up to that, if you don't mind there, Tim. Um, you mentioned relative humidity, and, and so did Dr. Wow. It, is it your experience that uh, homes with elevated relative humidity have more problems with the smell and the, um, the other problems that are occurring? Well, that is a reasonable assumption based on the known uh, chemical reactions that are likely to take place. However, we would like to propose a possible uh, idea that I've not seen pitched out prior to this, and that is that if a home is under negative pressure, the air inside the wall cavities will often wind up at a humidity level that is much closer to the air that is outside as opposed to the air that is inside. If it is then drying to the interior, which it will be, this means that the water vapor molecules are moving through the drywall towards the interior, and we propose the suggestion that homes of this type may be more likely to suffer uh, significant problems than homes that are under a positive pressure, and therefore the air in interstitial spaces tends to be closer to the humidity of the ambient air in the occupied space. A possible issue that may indicate that this may be involved is the fact that uh, we, there seem to be a lot fewer reported problems from commercial buildings that were built during this time. Mm -hmm. And commercial buildings are required to provide fresh air, therefore tend to be under positive pressure as opposed to negative pressure. And we have just heard of many fewer problems associated, uh, if any, uh, associated with commercial buildings as opposed to residential buildings. That's an interesting point. And, and the other question that uh, Dr. Wow asked, are you familiar with other, uh, obviously this you know, Chinese drywall doesn't just come to the United States, maybe I'm wrong, but um, are we getting reports about this from other countries as well? Uh, I've heard that uh, Singapore 
uh, and uh, Hong Kong, Dubai, are all areas where this has ended up. Uh, and this is again just reading, you know, what's been put out there in the in little media blurbs that that the Chinese drywall is is they import it or export it to all these, you know, very large, rapidly developing, uh, you know, uh, areas. And uh, they're they're a big exporter of, of building materials these days. Okay. But that's just that's that's secondhand information that is picked up on um, uh, press releases and wires, you know, that uh, that we just see that comes through. All right, let's let's follow up on one more, and we might as well get them all. Uh, and in fact, I've got a, a text question as well. Um, but let's go to the question that Glenn Fellman had with respect to the types of scams that you may be seeing out there. Um, what should the general public be aware of with respect to scams that are occurring uh, that uh, you know that involve this issue? Well, to to date, the I have not seen any qualified uh, testing method. I've seen several references to qualified inspection methods, but testing methods where you're actually sending samples off to a lab to have them analyzed, um, the people that are promoting these usually have a financial stake in, uh, in it one way or another. They're either going to be performing the test or analyzing the test. And I, I have not seen any uh, governmental organization uh, say that, uh, that there's validity to this. I know personally I've taken samples from homes with strong odors, the presence of, you know, uh, Chinese drywall, you know, China and canals written on the back of the drywall. We've had the samples analyzed in high humidity environments, and they came back negative uh, using some of the uh, most valid testing methods that were available at the time that we were doing the testing. And I just said, you know, you know, this is just, this isn't working. Um, and, and we knew we had, you know, all three components. We had copper corrosion, coil failure. We had strong odors, and we had visible identification of China drywall. And the tests were coming back negative. So, so well, what does work? How do you inspect for this? You, we have uh, a threefold inspection. It is... Are there strong odors? Are there uh, evidence of, of copper corrosion? And then we inspect the attic to see if we can find any identifying characteristics as to the origin of the drywall. And we did one of those inspections yesterday, and we came back with presence of, of you know some uh, darkening of the copper and a history of coil failures, but it, I think it's manufacturer-related rather than indoor environmental-related. We didn't have strong odors, and we didn't have any identifying characteristics. All the drywall uh, showed domestic characteristics on it. So I wouldn't say that just because the coil failed that uh, this house would be suspect for Chinese drywall syndrome. Will, uh, I'm sorry, Will, in an earlier uh, response, you had mentioned that some people that had uh, pre-existing uh, chemical sensitivities had been forced uh, to leave their home. What I'd like to do is we have a, a, quest, a text question uh, from one of the listeners. Uh, what's been your experience with contents from these homes? Uh, if, you know, can people take their personal property, soft contents, uh, out of one of these houses that had Chinese drywall? Does the odor, s you know, stay in those materials? Can it be removed by cleaning and so on and so forth? Do you have any idea on that? 
I wish I did, Cliff. Okay. Um, unfortunately, the homes that uh, we've been dealing with uh, have not been occupied, so there's been very limited contents you know, to deal with, and I haven't been involved with that yet. Okay. I, taking a guess, I would say that porous contents might be suspect, um, but uh, you know, semi-porous and, and non-porous contents uh, I don't think would be a problem, you know, similar to what we'd find in, uh, uh, you know, mold odors and, or smoke odors in buildings. Mm -hmm. Tim, do you have anything you want to add? Well, as far as the issue involving scams, uh, there are scams or things that are arg arguably scams, as Will said, uh, involving testing, sampling, uh, inspections, those types of things. Uh, there are also what are arguably scams involving remediation, which some have suggested use of ozone, uh, various other chemical products being fogged or added to the home or sprayed onto walls, sealers being painted onto walls with the idea that this seals the gases inside the walls, uh, use of air cleaners as a way of cleaning the gases out of the air as they come in and keeping the levels low. Uh, as far as uh, we know, at this point in time, there is no scientific evidence whatsoever that any of these work. And there is some distinct possibility that some of them, depending upon what you're adding, may make the situation worse. Uh, notably, using ozone, ozone. maybe produce even more toxic uh, gases as a result of chemical reactions that are uncontrolled. There's a document from the state of Florida specifically addressing this. And, yes. Uh, and it's on our blog. And what, what do they recommend? I, I'm, if these other things don't work, it, it seems like all you're left with is tear it out, and that's a terribly expensive proposition, and I'm sure nobody wants to pay for it. Uh, you're right, and but I don't know of anything else that's been effective to date. And, and that's that's why this is such a serious situation. You know, it, it has, you know, the potential for, um, you know, tremendous, uh, you know, financial hardships. And you know, who's going to be responsible for this? That's, it's, this is a very, you know, unfortunate situation. But we don't, maybe we can come up with something that, you know, can be applied that can neutralize this. But I, uh, I'm not going to hold my breath for this to develop. Let me ask one more. Is there a consistency to the structural damage caused by this Chinese drywall? In other words, you know, is it consistent from home to home, or do you see different things happening in different homes? Um, this is a, a theory that we're working on right now, Joe. Uh, it, it's dealing with, you know, how the negative pressure might be affecting the home uh, and and from a you know just a regional standpoint you know if you're in a drier area um, is it going to be as reactive there's not enough information out there yet you know you know dealing with this but uh, I I strongly suspect that the uh, the installation of the mechanical equipment to create negative pressure um, could make a home much more reactive than the similar home with the same materials with an air conditioning system that was installed properly. 
where there's at, uh, at best a neutral pressure. And um, so we're, we're not in training, you know, outside air. So right and now I, that would be a... Go that's ahead. That's an X factor that we're dealing with. Yeah, that would be uh, at least a, a temporary partial solution, I guess. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to follow up with you later to see how that's working out. Annie? Yeah, from your experience, is this problem um, covered by homeowners insurance or by business insurance? I don't know of any insurance that is covering it to date. They might cover uh, uh, a little bit of the investigation process, but uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen any insurance uh, claims that have, uh, you know, assumed the responsibility for repairing this. I'd, I'd like to point out that that is uh, probably true of homeowners insurance, especially, which is usually does not cover building defects. It covers sudden and accidental occurrences, and the installation of this draw, drywall was neither sudden nor accidental. Uh, as far as business insurance, business liability insurance for drywall con contractors, for builders, for distributors, for importers, all of those people are uh, usually covered by liability insurance that has a specific pollution exclusion, which means the insurance company is not going to pay for pollution. Now, none of these cases have been to court yet, and there are multiple uh, individual and, and uh, class action lawsuits that have been filed in Florida and elsewhere, but it is probable, based on our discussion with uh, several attorneys and insurance professionals, that the courts will decide that the pollution exclusion applies. And so in that case, a builder or contractor may have his uh, defense paid for by his insurance company, but there would be no coverage for the actual problem, which takes us back to China and the Chinese manufacturers. And uh, it's not difficult to see that it might be difficult to collect funds from uh, Chinese manufacturers. Uh, in particular, it was um, a couple of months ago, it was announced that Knopf, the, uh, one of the major uh, manufacturers involved with this situation, has no insurance coverage that would be effective for this type of a complaint. Isn't that lovely, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh boy. All right. Well, gentlemen, it's time for what we call the roundup. Hang in there with us for one second. We're going to bring everybody back in for one final question. back in here for the roundup let's uh let's go to glenn fellman first then dr Dieter, and then cliff and i'll finish it up and if annie has one in there we'll also throw another one in for annie go for it uh doc uh cliff or i'm sorry glenn all right thanks a lot um i i have just sort of a, a question for you guys you, you've seen over the years with in the iaq world um we've seen different things sort of come and go as problems doesn't sound like this is one that's going to go quickly what do you think the future holds in terms of uh, regulation um, or possibly even 
uh, training and those types of things for people who might be investigating this stuff or even removing it in the future. You want to uh, handle the, this, Tim? Well, uh, what do I see in the future? Uh, too early to tell, probably at this point. Uh, I would say that I think the banning the material is a little bit um, uh, closing the barn door after the horse got out. Uh, I doubt uh, very many installers or builders would, would intentionally put this stuff in a building at this point, although I suppose it is possible. Uh, the media and politicians uh, have been grandstanding with this whole issue, and uh, there's a lot of very, very bad information out there. I personally uh, think it is unlikely that funds are going to be available from builders, from manufacturers, distributors, uh, in the state of Florida particularly. Uh, these people are already hurting real bad, badly because of the uh, economic conditions. And uh, even if they lose a lawsuit, I don't see how they can pay for the huge numbers of homes remediating them. The money isn't going to be there. So unless the government gets involved at some point, uh, I don't really see where the money is going to come from for remediating all of the potentially affected homes. Yeah, something like a FEMA loan, you know, might be coming on down the line. Uh, you know, we get a low interest loan to affect the repairs. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with Tim. Yeah, I I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I do feel that we need much stronger regulation. I do believe that uh, that is starting to happen already. We had a recent resignation of a federal employee uh, responsible for uh, maintaining the quality of imported goods uh, coming into this country that uh, you can find on our blog. Um, there, people might not be acting as fast as they should on this, and I think that's going to be ramped up quite a bit in the future because of the emotional components associated with this. Dr. Dieter, any questions or comments? Well, yeah, just a quick uh, uh, comment. I, I, I really would like to see uh, you know, any data where there is a, uh, a confirmed health effect due to the exposure of whatever is in there, sulfur-bearing compounds. I doubt it. And uh, that still is, is not the end of the story. Certainly, if it were my house, I would not like to live in a house that smells from, quote, rotten eggs, end quote. <laughs> and whether, whether, whether that has any health effects or not, I don't care. You know, I, I, I want my house to be uh, neutral. The other thing is, and uh, uh, you, uh, Joe knows that, and I, we have heard that for many, many years when we went to certain meetings, yeah, there, there may be something wrong when a, a building and my house uh, certainly has a negative pressure inside compared to the outside. And that has been recognized in Europe for quite some time where they push in a relatively, I mean not relatively, a small amount of air to very slightly pressurize a, a house. And um, from the latest that I know from... Um, ASHRAE, the American Society of Refrigeration, Heating, and uh, uh, Air Conditioning Engineers, um, that um, uh, we should have regulations on new buildings where we actually put in a uh, air supply system 
which pressurizes the house, which apparently is better than what we have right now. Okay. Thank you, Dieter. Well, they, they've got a standard on that, but it's just yes, the, they do. it hasn't been adopted by um, code, and you know, code, or uh, at least in many uh, jurisdictions, is my understanding. That is correct, and these codes are very difficult uh, to change uh, due to, well, I don't even want to say that. Okay. All <laughs> right. All right. Uh, guys, any comments on, on what Dieter said? I'm a big fan of positive pressurization and and wonderful. And in our consulting work, we are constantly recommending appliances that bring in outside air, filter it, dehumidify it, and tie it in with the supply air of the ductwork. And um, I've got one operating in my office and one in my home, and I can maintain 50% humidity inside that home during a tropical storm when it's 70 degrees outside. And wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. All right, Annie. Yeah, I'm curious to know. Um, you may not know. Or, um, do the manufacturers experience any hazard hazardous issues while making this in China? I have seen no information uh, with regard to that. Uh, however, it's pretty well known that uh, Chinese occupational health is uh, uh, generally considered not probably a major priority uh, of their society. Uh, there's, uh, it's certainly not as big a, a priority as it is here in Europe. And uh, so I, I bet I've seen absolutely no information on uh, whether that is, uh, is the case or not. Okay. Cliff's going to ask a question that ties in a listener question and one of his own, I think. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm just wondering if we have a perfect storm going on and whether you can comment on this, uh, that for instance, this same drywall would work in a desert environment or could work in Siberia, but uh, there's something about a tropical environment with high humidity that triggers it. Any comment on that? I would say that that's the direction that I'm leaning right now, and I, and I do believe the pressure, the wall cavity pressure uh, relationships are... Uh, I think we're going to find these to be very important in determining concentrations when we figure out what the heck we need to be testing for. Tim? I would, uh, I would certainly agree with that. Uh, it would be obviously very premature to state that uh, in, say, Las Vegas, this type of material would not be a problem. But it would be very interesting if someone could do studies to find that out because I'm sure some of that material was probably used in that area. Uh, it is very interesting that these, this issue has popped up first and most prominently in South Florida, which is the highest humidity area in the United States. Mm -hmm. hmm. Gentlemen, we are just about out of time. We're over a little bit, but I always like to make sure that uh, our guests get the last, uh, last word. Anything that you'd like to add uh, that we missed or anything that um, you'd like our listeners to know? Uh, and if you could repeat your... Uh, uh, the blog site one more time, and I assume your emails are on there as well, so they can contact you directly from there. Uh, I can't. Uh, the only thing that I, I think is lacking right now is the personal equation from uh, this Chinese drywall stuff. And I'd like to see more of an emphasis from a, uh, you know, how it's affecting the people. And, and I know that we don't know what we're testing for yet. Uh, as far as our blog goes, it's 
www.chinesedrywallinfo.com. And uh, our, you can contact us through there. That will have a direct link to our website with all of our personal contact information. And I want to thank you guys very much for hosting such a valuable industry program. Thank you, gentlemen. And, uh, Tim, anything you'd like to add? Well, I have one comment. Uh, obviously, I agree with everything that Will has said and, uh, and would like to express my thanks to you guys for hosting this. Uh, however, in, I spend a great deal of time researching this issue on the web and elsewhere, and there is a very common thread through uh, the media articles as well as in uh, comments that people post in, on websites with regard to those articles. And that is that the builders, the drywall installers, the, man, the importers, everybody knew that this was a problem and uh, imported it and used it and intentionally stuck uh, defective materials in people's homes. And every bit of information I've been able to see is that nobody had a clue that this problem would arise. Uh, drywall has been used, as I believe uh, was shown by your uh, question earlier, uh, <laughs> for uh, nearly a hundred years, and uh, it's it's been widely used, and it has never caused any problems remotely similar to this, as far as I am aware. Uh, as long as the material stayed dry, it was a very very stable, durable, non-reactive material, and um, that's uh, I, I just think it is unfair for people to make the assumption that the people using this material were aware that it was going to cause problems, because I do not believe that they were aware. That's that's great comment to end up with there. Thank you, gentlemen. We really appreciate it. Uh, I want to say thanks to this week's guests, Will Spates and Tim Toburin. Really appreciate you having you on from Indoor Environmental Technologies, discussing a very important issue, Chinese drywall. Before I go, I want to also make sure we thank the clo my co-host, Cliff Slotnick. It's always my pleasure. The Z-Man, of course, Environmental Annie. Uh, the wingman, Chris Boisel, for helping us out at the controls. Of course, we want to say thanks to uh, Glenn Fellman for the IE Connections What's News. And always, as always, to our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wild. Thank you for joining us. Most importantly, we had a real nice group online today. I want to thank that growing group of loyal listeners. Please come back and join us next Friday at noon for the next broadcast of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production. <laughs>